0: Welcome, everyone, to this episode of Vetfolio Voice with a wonderful group of credentialed veterinary technicians about veterinary nurse empowerment and creating a culture conducive to learning and to everyone working at the top of their game. I'll keep my thoughts brief so I can tell you more about these ladies, but I'll give you one small hint as to what we discover in our talk, and that is that communication is key. All right, let me tell you about my guests. Samantha Sacasa earned her bachelor's degree in education from the University of South Florida in 2008 and her associate's degree in veterinary technology from Hillsboro Community College in 2013. Since becoming a certified veterinary technician, Sam has gained experience in emergency medicine, general practice, shelter medicine, and her personal favorite, wildlife conservation. She also taught as an adjunct instructor at her alma mater, Hillsboro Community College. Sam's professional interests include continuing education for veterinary professionals, fostering the human-animal bond, improving workplace wellness, and the Fear Free Initiative. In general, she's passionate about improving the lives of animals and elevating veterinary medicine through education. I just love that. Such an amazing mission. Carolyn Spivak has been in the veterinary industry for over 20 years. She earned her Bachelor's in Animal and Poultry Science from Virginia Tech and her Associate of Applied Science in Veterinary Technology from the Community College of Baltimore County. Over her career, she's held roles in patient care, leadership, hospital management, and field support and office positions. She's currently the Director of Technician and Assistant Development in VCA's Medical Operations Department. Carolyn's passion is helping to create opportunities for continued growth in skills, knowledge and leadership development for our veterinary technicians and assistants with a special focus in team and patient safety. Brynn Hogan is a credentialed veterinary technician and VTS in anesthesia and analgesia. She has a bachelor's degree in anthropology and history from the University of Wisconsin. She started her career working in biomedical research and in 2010 became a credentialed technician. She earned her VTS in anesthesia and analgesia in 2014. Brynn has served on the boards of the Wisconsin Veterinary Technician Association, the Academy of Veterinary Technicians in Anesthesia and Analgesia, and the North American Veterinary Anesthesia Society. She's currently a Technician Instructional Design Program Manager for VCA in the Department of Knowledge and Learning. These ladies were great to talk to and full of so much insight. I love all of the knowledge that they collectively brought in from their individual careers. I hope you get as much out of this episode as I did. Well, welcome, everybody. We're going to talk about technician empowerment and more specifically on how communication is related to technician empowerment. So guys, I'm just going to jump straight in with a question that I struggle with on a routine basis. Actually, that's not true. First, I'm going to say welcome and thank you for joining me. I'm so glad you all are here. Thank you so much, Cassie. I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, it's great to be Thank here. Thank you.
0: Yes, it's going to be a good discussion. I'm so happy you guys are all here. All right, now I'm going to jump in with a question that I struggle with. I find my, myself struggling with this on a daily basis. And it's how do I navigate asking a technician or nurse to take on a task or a case? How do I know whether I'm putting too much on their plate or allowing them to thrive in their job? I find myself walking this tightrope of, not wanting to overload somebody and being concerned that if i ask them to take something on that maybe i am asking too much and they're just not communicating that with me um versus not giving you know technicians and nurses enough and them saying well hey doc you know why aren't you letting me do my job so do you, can you guys help me do you have any tips or tricks for how to walk that tightrope
2: yeah i think um one of the first things i would say is is avoid the yes or no answer questions, right? Don't say, am I giving you too much? I think most technicians will will say will say no. Um, I think some that maybe are empowered will say yes, but but maybe be more specific in the questions, you know, um, in terms of, you know, I've noticed maybe I'm giving you too, too much to do day to day. Let's sit down and talk about what's going on during the day? Am I giving you too much? What do you like to do? What do you not like to do? Is there something that you'd like to do that you're not getting to do right now? Just opening up that conversation and not having it be a quick, can you take this on right now? Sure. And then you walk away and then it, it, it just builds and builds and there's no actual communication happening.
1: I think that's such a good point, Bren, because because that's the, that's the part, right? You have to do the work ahead of time before in the moment, you're like, wait a minute, everybody's kind of looking really stressed. And have I now asked you to do something you're not trained to do, or you're not comfortable with, or you've got five other things? Have you gotten your break? You know, like all of that stuff. And I think that's such an important part, Dr. Cassie, is that the hospital environment is one of open communication, where if I'm like... I need a break for two seconds, that you're not gonna get upset with me and that we're gonna be able to talk it through and you're gonna know, like I'm saying, I need to pause for a second because we already have that relationship. And I think that's such a valuable aspect of what we have in our team dynamic, especially as we have new people join to have those initial conversations, to be like, we're a team, I need to know where you're coming from, what you feel comfortable with, what you need training in. And if it's something where you're like, I've got a lot, let's have respectful conversation to say, let me see if someone else can help you because I'm in the middle of something.
3: I agree with that. I think that creating a respectful culture and environment is so important. And that when you are in those like stressful moments, when you're in the weeds, it'll be received so much better if it's already like known that this is a team effort. We're all here to do patient care and to do it well. And yeah, that you're creating a culture where everybody knows that they're on the same team, that they know that the doctor has their back, that you know that the technicians have your back and that you can communicate your needs.
0: Yeah, so right on target here, communication. And I feel like all of you echoed the same sort of sentiment of put the work in ahead of time, sit down and talk to people ahead of time. And that makes a lot of sense because, you know, from my perspective, I feel like having that conversation ahead of time and and letting people know, hey, if I'm putting too much on you, I need you to tell me that I may not recognize it if I'm doing a million things. So I, I need you to tell me and that's not going to be a problem, but I'm not going to know unless we communicate. And I think that is excellent advice of, Put the, put the, the work, the communication, the talks in ahead of time to know where everybody stands before you end up in the weeds and and everything going crazy.
1: And even as a new, I mean, if you think about it, when you've started a new position or in a new job, wouldn't that be lovely for someone to be like, I want to hear what's going on with you. And if you're stressed, if you're stressed out or, you know, you're not comfortable with something, I want to know about it because that's who we are and that's what we do. And I just, I I think it's just a more welcoming environment versus get out there and get it done, you know, (laughs) Um, and having, I think that's probably been one of my favorite things about being a technician over 20 years is my relationships with my doctors and my team members, just that we can be super open with each other. And it just makes the day go so much better. And by the end of the day, you're not feeling super stressed because you've been able to speak your mind or, or take on tasks to be like, I'm not really sure how to do that, but can you help me with this? Because I want to be able to do that moving forward. I, I just think that open communication is key. Love that, Carolyn. And
3: I think it's so important to establish that culture beforehand. Right. It's easier than having to do it after the fact. Like, okay, we're having a ton of breakdowns in communication. Now we have to fix this. That can be really challenging. So yeah, I think that's important to be cognizant of.
2: Absolutely. And when you bring new people in, if you have that established culture, they're going to see that, right? You're going to have that conversation. They're going to see that you're not just Talking the talk, you're walking the walk. You know they're gonna they're gonna notice that culture, and it's going to be easy to to bring them in and solidify that 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 is how it it goes around here. We're we're open communication, and we we actually listen to the answers when people when people express their thoughts. Spoken like people in leadership
0: positions.
2: <laughs> you guys can tell. You
0: know how you got to where you are. That you've had to deal with a lot of these situations. You know in multiple different contexts. Let me flip the script on you just a little bit here, because I I couldn't agree more with everything you said about open communication and being proactive in that approach. But there is an element, you know, things do get busy, and sometimes we all do just kind of have to like put put our helmets on and go in and and make it through. And it's crazy, and we're we're stressed, and we're busy, and and we wish things would slow down a little bit. But sometimes they just don't. And hopefully that's not all the time. But you know, we do end up in those situations. So one thing I have seen from time to time is, all right, you know, we're, we're doing this, we're communicating, things are open, we're making it through the day. And then all of a sudden, um, somebody who I used to feel like was right there with me, even when things got crazy. Now, a lot of times when I'm asking, you know, Hey, can you help me with this? Can you take this on? I'm getting mostly no answers, mostly no, I'm too busy. No, I'm too stressed. No, I need to go over here. And I've ended up in like confusing places before where I'm like, I feel like I'm trying to be so conscientious of what I'm giving this person, but I'm still getting no back in a lot of these situations. And I'm I'm starting to drown over here and feel like I'm on my own. Do you guys have any insight on a situation like that? Carolyn, I know that, like you said, you've been in, in the field for over 20 years. Have you seen that sort of thing happen?
1: Yes. And, and I've been part of it too, um, where there's just a lot of conflicting priorities and you're just not sure. And honestly, you know, one of the things that, that I've seen work successfully is, is literally a timeout just to be like, okay, guys, let's just stop for a minute. And because, and even though you like time is so valuable and there's so many things going on, you can go ahead and level set with people, you know, within Two to three minutes, and just be like, "What exactly is happening? Like, did you just leave a really stressful case? Like, was was is there something else that's going on?" where are you at? And if they're, you know, if they rattle through and they're like, Dr. Cassie, I've got this, 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 and this be like, okay, so this is not the time for us, but what can we do to delegate out? Or, you know, I haven't been able to take a break. I was supposed to leave 15 minutes ago. And sometimes just that, that time out to be like, okay, guys, let's get on a a good playing field. Let's kind of figure, because sometimes when you're in the middle of it, it's hard just to see, okay, I, I don't know where to go. And then it'd be like, okay, Bryn, what do I need to do first? Like, help me out with this. And then we can kind of figure out things because if I'm telling you, no, probably I'm really comfortable with you. And I'm, I'm like, okay, I she'll, she'll, she'll accept that fact because just even what you're saying, like having concern for your team that you're overloading them or something like that, not everybody is, is situationally aware in the moment. And so I, you might be the easy one for me just to say, I, right now, I, I just have to, I can't. Um, But doing those timeouts, doing those huddles, figuring out like what's going on at the front desk, do we have an upset client that we're dealing with? Um, I just think those thoughtful pauses give each other grace to go like, wow, I seriously just need to go eat something. And we never not want people to take their breaks, right? Like that's very important for our mental mindset, how we do patient care. But sometimes when you get wrapped up in the moment, you focus on the patient and forget about yourself. And you're like, have you even like taken a breath today? Um, and so then a lot of that stuff can seem super overwhelming. So that's just something in my experience, I've literally people have done like the tea timeout, like let's just wait and uh, and have a conversation. And, and I feel like that's something... Thing. If you you know if you've established that culture, you've done the pre work. It's it's pretty successful.
3: I love that, Carolyn. I love the way that you phrase that. A lot of times, if a technician was reliable and you're noticing that lately they're not, that can be a sign of burnout. So, like, when was the last time that technician took a vacation? Or are they constantly missing their lunch breaks and leaving late? Like, what is causing this additional frustration? And it is a very frustrating situation, right, Dr. Cassie? You have patients that you need to take care of you might have two or three at the same time and you're like I don't have time to do all of this Um, I need support so in those moments I understand that it's really frustrating but I think that we handle those moments the best we can and then you kind of look at it from an overview of okay what is causing this
2: yeah that that's a great point you both of you have have said stuff that really resonated when, when I think someone just keeps saying no, that's a sign of something else. And it's usually a sign of either that person needs to stop and like take a breath, you know, stop and and reassess, or there's something underlying that needs, that needs to come out. If you're, if you just keep saying no, there's something else there.
0: So exactly kind of what we've, focused on in this podcast is communication and open communication and i think you guys touched on a lot of really important points sam you mentioned handling what you can in the moment you know like you can't make everything if there's a bunch of cases and you don't have the help you need and you know it seems like things are going crazy then just focusing on what you can do one thing at a time and and it'll all get done and it'll all be okay um, it might take longer than we want to and be a little more chaotic but we'll get there And then circling back around to figure out what caused it in the first place. So taking that focus on communication, any specific areas of communication that help you guys in particular, can you think of an example, maybe of a doctor or a team member who communicated with you well, and you're like, hey, this
1: works great. Can you do this more in the future? I I really think, and I know we we keep saying communication, but I really feel like communication is the key to empowerment right so if you can advocate for yourself you certainly can advocate for your patient because usually we do we advocate for our patient first more than ourselves and i think that in the relationships i've had within the clinic or just kind of in the industry you know in general is being okay to ask being open to be like i'm not challenging why you know it, even from a from a doctor's perspective one of the gifts i think technicians have Is their critical thinking skills. And you don't get that necessarily just from a book, right? Like you get that from being in with patients and learning from the other people around you. And so I think that mentoring approach or being open, maybe not in front of a client being like, why did you do that? You know, (laughs) being thoughtful with your words, but you know, just being like, okay, can I listen to that? I want you identified a murmur. I wanna put my ears on and I wanna to listen to that too. And being like, where exactly, you know, what how would this implicate, you know, or or impact this patient? What kind of nursing care do I need to look at differently because this this little one has a heart issue? Like, where do we need to minimize stress? What do we need to watch out for? And I think that open communication, you know, not only just that I'm able to express my concerns, but that I'm able to learn from you and you're completely good with that. You know, I think some of the doctors um, and even technicians. That I've had in my career have have challenged me. Be like, okay, well, why did I make that decision? And you're like, what? <laughs> I don't know. You did it, um, but you learn something, and and you know, or ask you to do a math calculation on the fly, and it's not meant to intimidate or embarrass, but it's that mentoring approach, and I think you know that helps you with your critical thinking, and I think too that that such sets, sets such a good example for the environment to be like we're all learning every single day, right? Like when I went to school twenty something years ago thankfully, medicine has evolved. And if I was stuck back in, you know, the early 2000s, that would be an issue because I wouldn't be providing the best level of patient care. And just having that open communication, that mentoring that, that, you know, we're all involved and it's our patient. I think that's probably been one of the most beneficial things I've seen in hospital environments.
0: That team approach of really working together um, right. as a team to take care of this patient, not this is your responsibility, this is my responsibility, but the, the entire patient care approach here is, is both of our responsibilities.
1: Yeah. And if I don't know the answer, that doesn't mean I'm not smart. That doesn't mean I, you know, that there's something wrong. That just means that hasn't been an experience. My life has has given me the opportunity to understand and you know what, I'm going to learn. And so the next time that question comes up, I'm going to own it and share it with somebody else, you know, and, and that's all okay. Cause we can't know everything, you know, <laughs> we oh just can't. Gosh, no, I, there, there's been so many times
0: it, it happened to me, um, a, a week ago, two weeks ago, where I had a procedure and like, I, I technically, it's like you said, you can't get it from the book. So I technically knew how to do this procedure, but I didn't have a lot of experience with it. Don't worry. It was a pretty minor procedure. Like it wasn't yeah. anything crazy, <laughs> but, but I, there was a, a technician working with me who had seen it done multiple times and had assisted with it multiple times. And I had to go to her and I was like, okay. I need you to tell me if this looks like I'm doing this right, because I I think I know what to do. I think I know how to do this, but I need you to walk me through it and tell me if there's anything crazy that you normally see that I'm missing. And we work through it together. So it's not just like you said, if you don't know the answer, then you're not smart or you haven't studied enough. Sometimes we don't know the answer and we need you guys, you know, we need our team to help us out and say, no, I've seen that before. This is how Dr. So-and-so does it or you know, yeah, they actually, you know, they asked me this question last time and I learned that we do it this way because of X, Y, and Z and, and yeah. So just, just to put that out there, it is hundred percent us learning at the same time as well. That's
3: awesome, Dr. Cassie. And I agree so much with what Carolyn said. And I was just going to say the same thing that so many technicians, I think probably most, if not all of us are just such naturally curious people And so my favorite doctors that I've worked with have been people that love that and embrace that and are constantly showing me things. Even if it's something like surgery, something I'm never going to do, like teach me everything. I love it. I find it all so interesting. Yesterday I took my cat for acupuncture and the whole time I'm like, what does that point do? What does that point do? Like, I just find it all so interesting. So right. When a doctor can embrace that and really think about the team effort that it takes to take care of the patient. And yes, we all need to know this, it's going to make us all better at our jobs. I think that that's just really powerful.
2: Yeah. And I want people to know that's when people say a teaching culture or a teaching environment, that's what people are talking about. There's this free exchange of knowledge and, and we all, we all love it when people ask us questions, right? Because like you said, we're curious people. So when we learn something, we want to share it and we want our team to be that way, too. So it's just a constant sharing of information. And and it really makes the the job exciting and fulfilling when when everyone's kind of on board and everyone's comfortable. Because sometimes, you know, I've asked really what I would consider silly questions because I don't know the answer. You know, and when you get a response where people are like, that's not silly at all, like I didn't know that either, and, and this is X, Y, and Z. It's It just, it really helps solidify a team and makes the job more fulfilling, I think.
3: Yeah, when you feel like you can ask those silly questions,
1: it's just such a great feeling, like that level of comfort seeing somebody do something different and be like, what have I been missing my whole life? You know, it, it, just that different approach or like maybe, you know, how they set up a cage differently, or, you know, they did something, you know, even just how they like place their hands and they had to feel comfortable with it. You're just like, I've been missing this. Oh my gosh, that makes it so much easier. And so it, it doesn't even have to be the silly question. It's just watching how someone else does their, their good work. I, I, you know, you just learn something every day. It's just, it's really great when you can be in that kind of environment.
0: Do you guys have any like specific examples of that? And I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so it's okay if you don't, but do you have any specific examples of something where you're like this light bulb moment where when somebody answered maybe one of these silly questions or you saw somebody do something differently, how you're like, I'm always doing it that way. And it, it changed things for you going
2: forward. So this is a very minor story. And I just thought of it because I was unpacking some of my stuff yesterday Somebody once on my team, on our team, found these really long suture scissors, uh, bandage scissors, and they have like they they have a really long neck. That's not the name, um, and really a really tiny scissor, and they're great for cats or any little fractious patient where you don't want to be like right by their mouth when you're undoing the bandage. Everyone on the team got them. It was, people were like, this, this, what is this invention? You know, I don't have to have my fingers near their (laughs) mouth when I'm, you know, uncutting, uncutting the bandage of this very, very scared, fractious cat. It was amazing. And it just, I tell everyone about it. I show it to people whenever I can. And everyone's just like, oh my gosh, where have these been all my life? And it's just one of those little things, just this little instrument none of us had seen before that, you know, have skyrocketed the sales of them because I've shared it with everyone I've i have ever met. <laughs>
0: That's amazing. It's sort of similar. Mine's like a um, a combination of things that I use, but um, thinking about like cats in particular and not having to have your hands over by their mouth, I, the Calm and Cozy Cat Wrap, I promise I'm not sponsored by them or anything, but oh my gosh, between that and and like Chiru, the, the combination of like Calm and Cozy Cat Wrap feel away and Chiru, like throwing a little Gabapen, I'm like, I can literally get these cats to do almost anything. and It's great. And they're so happy change, change the whole approach there where, cause I, I tell people that I'm like, if this cat tries to climb my face, I I'm going to be no help. Like I'm going to run. So if you're counting on me to save you, don't <laughs> so, being able to implement that was, was a big change for me.
2: I have a friend that uses that and swears by it. Like it's the, the best oh, yeah. thing she's ever used, especially doing house calls.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this one's a super silly one, but like, we never used to put anything on our our scales. And so if you've ever seen a, an owner super stressed, it's trying to get their dog up on a scale and have them stay and the dog is like I'm out of here and like it's this it's this performance thing where they're like my dog is a great dog you know and they usually sit but you're but when you're looking at it and you're like I'm sticking them on something that's super slippery and silvery and they're like what is happening right now and usually like it's in a weird corner and so again like the introduction of just putting non-slip mats and it seems like Hmm. Why didn't I think of that before? But we never used to do that. And it's just like one of those moments where suddenly, again, they're not, it's still not their favorite thing in the whole wide universe, but it's not like this horrible slippy thing where they're trying to run away. And it's like a a bad treadmill. So that was something that was just one of those aha moments where like, wow, that, that little tiny mat, you know, the owners are happy. The dog is like, okay, this is cool for like 30 seconds. And then you better read it quick and get me out of here. But it was just one of those funny little epiphanies where you're like, why didn't I ever think of that before? You know,
2: (laughs) and you know, it makes the whole hospital happy. Like everyone's talking about Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) Yes. Yes.
0: And the owners are happy because they're not, you know, have, like you said, that like moment where they're like, I swear they're really good. And you're like, no, trust me. I'm, I'm sure that they are. I have no doubt about that, but yeah, it's gotta be such a
1: weird environment for them. Right. And nobody likes to get on a scale. Like, come on. So (laughs) why why put them in that moment? It's just interesting. Exactly. (laughs) Um,
0: well, let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about having clearly defined roles when you come into the hospital. I know that that's something for me that makes it easier. I've done a fair bit of relief work and every hospital is different as far as what the expectations are for the doctors versus technicians and nurses versus CSRs, how comfortable everybody is with communication. What are your feelings as far as you know having clearly defined roles and how do we create those for people? And Bryn, why don't I hand this one over to you? Because I know you do a lot of the teaching and development there. Any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I think I think you can also you can always start with just a clearly defined role for the day. So whether you have a small team or a large team, I think meeting with with your team, with your group, and just kind of going over who's doing what for the day. So it's not it's not this grand defined role of of me in the hospital or me in the universe it's who's who's doing what today who what do we have on our plate you know i used to work in in anesthesia anesthesia and surgery so sometimes it was okay who's going to be the or tech for today and and just those little things help the day go so much smoother cuz it's not it, you're not constantly questioning who's doing what you're just sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to do the CTs today, or I'm going to do outpatient. And then everyone knows. So you know who to go to to communicate, you know who the point person is. And even if you have a small team, you're just going to avoid confusion or or constant questioning throughout the day. So I think just in terms of a daily schedule, you know, again, taking a couple minutes to to define those roles for the day is going to make that day Hopefully, a little bit more smooth.
1: I like that too. Bren. I love it.
2: Oh, sorry, Dr. Okay. Cassie,
1: go ahead. <laughs>
0: no. I was just going to say, no, I love that. I love what you said about like, you don't have to define your role in the universe, like just for the day, like just for the next 12 hours. Who are you going to be and what are you going to do?
1: <laughs> and it, it gives you exposure to different things, right? Like, because some people usually gravitate to one area or another. And so, if you don't have something that maybe switches you up a little bit, there are certain skills you might not have you know, time to refine. So if you're always the surgery tech, you know, and you never do anything in the exam rooms, you know, there's a whole nother set of skills and it might not be your favorite place in the whole wide world, but, you know, it's the same thing for somebody who's doing, who, you know, doesn't ever get to, to see surgeries or see how a recovery goes. So it just really helps in the dynamic of your team and you find the things you love and you find the things that are not your favorite, but it's still, it's that whole empowerment piece because you get to learn something or be able to speak and be like, you know what, I, this is new to me, I'm, I'm, I'm learning this today, but you're still, you, you have the expectation that that's the role you're gonna play for the day and, and lean on other people to learn. So I just really like that approach because it does, it gives you some bound, some bounds to go like, this is where I'm gonna focus. Not that you live in a silo because, you know, if, if everybody needs help, it, you need help, but you can just even fine tune some of your skills by switching different departments and not always being in the same part of the hospital.
2: That's a great point, Carolyn, and a little, a little veering off the topic. But I think as technicians, a lot of times the things we don't like to do are the things we are not as confident in our skill set as. Right. Um, sure. So I, exposing ourselves to those things and, and building those skills is going to, to decrease some of that not wanting to do certain skills. Cause I know for me, that's, that's true. Usually, if I don't, if I don't like to do something, it's because I feel like I'm not where my skill level needs to be on that procedure or that task.
3: Totally agree with you, Bryn. I've learned over the years. That if there's something I don't like to do, I sort of force myself to do it as much as I can, just so that I can eventually become comfortable doing it. And that's definitely advice that I would give any technician that struggles in certain areas. Then mm-hmm. I also love what you said, Carolyn, about leaning on people when you are in those uncomfortable spots. And again, that just goes so that just goes back to the communication, needing to be open, needing to be positive. And I also wanted to say that if you notice that your practice struggles in this area, if you feel like every day, it's just kind of you go here, you go here or here, you know, you're great at surgery, just stay in surgery. A lot of technicians I think can be natural leaders and you might want to say to your supervisor, hey, do you want me to kind of create a a role schedule every day? And sometimes supervisors are really happy to kind of give that away. You know, to give certain things away and to have a little less on their plate. So I would say take initiative if you're noticing that things seem a little unorganized, or people are always doing the same things that you can do that you don't have to be in a
1: leadership position to be a leader. No, that's complete. It's so spot on, Sam. And, and I think, too, all of this sort of leads back to your original question, Dr. Cassie, is like, as a doctor, you're like, I don't know what they know and what they don't know, and if they're comfortable with that. And sometimes you get a chance to demonstrate your skills, and then it builds doctor trust. And they're like, I know she can do that, or I know he can do that. And if you don't have exposure to different team members, you don't always know what their strengths are, the areas where they need to improve. And I just think it all kind of blends back to, you know, that empowerment piece. And, you know, like what you said, Sam, you can be a leader and show like, you know what? Bryn totally knows how to do this. She's going to be your point person for today. And it helps to build that, that relationship, but also the trust that I think is so critical in having technicians be empowered, right? Like doctors have to believe we know what we're doing and we've got this under control because it's their patient too. And and I think that's just really important.
0: And it goes full circle here where there's like definitely things that I really don't want to do. And it has everything to do with my confidence level. I think that that's, a, that's just a human trait to have of not wanting to do things that you don't feel confident in. You know, there's a reason I try to never open an abdomen if I can avoid it. It's just (laughs) not my bag, Um, not my, I don't sleep well at night when I do things like that. So yeah, I think that's just a very, a very human way to feel, but you're absolutely right that, you know, it's doing that and, and building those skills and building that confidence. And then circling a little bit back around, as far as you're saying, like, this is your point person, this person definitely knows how to do that. It made me think back to my relief days of to be able to walk into a hospital and have somebody say like, this is who you're going to work with. This is like, like you put it your point person. They're really good at this. They know this forward and backward. Of course, you know, in in a new environment, I'm going to, you know, keep an eye out just because like you said, it's my my patient too. I want to make sure everything's going the way that, that I feel comfortable with, but to know who to talk to, who to go to, who my line of communication is going to be with, makes life so much easier. It makes it make, makes life really good. It makes the day go, even when things get crazy, it makes things go a lot more smoothly.
2: It's kind of your safety net. You know, if, if things Absolutely. go a little bit sideways, it, that person is there for you and the team.
0: Yes, we all need to be there for each other. Sam, I love what you said earlier about being a naturally curious person. I agree. I think that extends to many of us in the field. And so, that really opens up the doors to communication. When you're asking these questions, do you have any examples of communication events, communication styles, uh, or anything like that, that you felt like didn't work for you?
3: Yeah, I do. I think that we have to be really careful with creating like a negative environment where there's a lot of complaining, like, yes, you know, our jobs are challenging. And a lot of times, There are places where hospitals can improve on communication, scheduling, role, assigning so many areas, but I think it's so easy to just get wrapped up in the negativity that it can create a really toxic environment. So I always try to be positive and hopefully influence people around me. And of course, it's not going to be that way 100% of the time, but I think it's really important. And I also think it's really important to, to limit gossip. And to not gossip at all if possible. I know that for some people that's hard, but I think little things like that will just
1: make such a big impact in the long run. Yeah, you, you never know, right? Like your words, you, you, you have to make thoughtful choices and what we say and how we communicate because you never know how it's gonna impact somebody, right? And like, if this is something that's building on a really awful day, that's something that's outside of work. And when you feel like, Your work, which so many times is where we spend so much of our day, isn't a safe place or isn't a welcoming place. That can be really hard for people, and you know, especially if you're the one person that isn't is is kind of on the outside of the group or might be new to the group or something like that. And I think what you said, just the the natural leader and all of those things, you know, staying away from that negativity because. You know, there's so much stuff with all of our patients that can that can be, you know, hard for us to deal with. Having your team not be there to support you and lift you up is makes it really, really difficult to deal with, you know, even patient situations. So I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, Sam.
2: And I think too, even just I think sometimes we can use negative negativity to feel like we're building a team. Like if we're all really frustrated with something. We all get really negative together about it, and it feels good in the moment. It feels like we're relating to each other, that we're all one, but if there's no solution and there's no positive outcome on the other side of that, it's it's just going to keep reading negativity. You're, you're not going to get a solution. You're not going to get to a positive point. It, you're just going to be stuck in it.
3: Yeah, it's a really quick fix, that feeling of like the camaraderie that comes from that, it's a fleeting moment. Mm -hmm. And I know, Carolyn, that we've spoken about this before, also just not emphasizing too much on placing blame, I think is really important.
1: Exactly, Sam, because I mean, everybody makes mistakes, right? We're human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of systems that we might have in place that aren't really conducive to us making good choices or, you know, that mistakes can happen. And being, having the person the person be the object of that blame because something went wrong. Is not a healthy way to deal with situations because we could all be that, right? We could the next day, it could absolutely be us. And if the system isn't looked at and we don't look at things objectively, you know, sometimes it's just an honest to goodness mistake. But, you know, if we don't take a further look into how could we all be better as a team, how could we have maybe caught that mistake before it happened, it can just be a really, again, a negative, toxic place. And then you see those hospitals where you're like, why are we always losing technicians? Why is there so much turnover? Yeah, nobody wants to be unhappy all the time or are surrounded by that kind of thing. Or, you know, if you make a mistake, that is you are going to be the object of negativity. Like, that's not that's not I don't think any of us, no matter what environment we want to be at the the target of that. I 100%
0: agree on staying positive, limiting gossip, not placing blame. All of you are spot on. I do want to take a little bit of a devil's advocate approach just for a second and say sometimes that negativity like, I don't, I I think it's important not to deny our emotions. You know, we see stressful cases, we have people yell at us and act completely irrational and demanding for no good reason. When, when we're, um, for the most part, they're trying to help and trying to put good out into the world every day. And that can be really tough to deal with. And so building, hopefully building on what you're saying is doing that in a constructive way, like to say, I need, I need a safe space and I need two minutes and I just need to get it out because I, like for me, I process everything in words. Like if it doesn't come out of my mouth, then I haven't dealt with it. And so sometimes I'm like, I'm gonna get it out for two minutes and then it's gonna be over. So I absolutely agree with emphasizing the positivity but and, and limiting gossip and all these negative things. But I also think it's important that people have a safe space to say, Hey, this really sucked. And I need to get that off my chest for a minute. And then I can move on with my day. But Bryn, kind of echoing what you said, not having a solution, having an or, or even if there's not a solution, maybe there's an end point to say, you know, set the timer. And when this timer goes off, I'm not going to yell about this anymore. But at least I'll have felt heard and, you know, had that release for a minute.
2: Yeah. And I think sometimes we say positive and negative. And positive doesn't mean. Let's look at the bright side of this really bad situation right. that's not that's not what we're saying. It's okay to be like this is a very frustrating bad situation. but you need to take the road of how do we fix it? you know I think we need to get those frustrations out, but it needs to be respectful. it needs to be you know blameless it and it needs it needs a, a solution and maybe the team doesn't have a solution. But maybe that conversation is how how do we find somebody? How do we find something that leads us to a solution? So I don't want people to think like, oh, think of the positive things of everything. Because sometimes, I mean, there's really, sometimes there's not a positive way to look at things, but the goal should be changing it because, you know, you don't want to live in that negative space.
3: I get what you're saying. Like you need to find a way to completely move on. Like... I'm not going to harbor resentment over this. I'm not going to take it personal. Like
1: it was a bad situation, but I am
3: completely moving on. Right.
1: And, and validate that it was something that was not great, you know, right. and I, I, I forget where I heard it from, but somebody had, had made this suggestion to me at one point, like, you know, you, you physically take a tissue or, you know, and, and, and flush it or throw it away. Like I am now done with this and I'm moving on and it doesn't have any more room in my universe. And I'm going to find some, I'm going to move past this. And you can't always do that. Of course, like, I'm not saying everything is just like, you know, a bucket full of tissues, but it's, it's, it's just, but it, it, but it is like what you said, Brynn, it's one of those things where I have to find something actionable about what happened because then I feel like I did something and now I can move on from it and I can change because if not, it's one of those things that creeps up the next day. And then it gets, bigger and then bigger and it gets more dramatic and then it becomes heavy. And and it's like, sometimes if you give it to somebody in the moment and say, okay, help me work this out, or I really need to address this in a really objective way, then again, it, 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 it dies that day and you can move on with the solution the next day, because otherwise some of that stuff, you're like, we're still talking about it. And it's a week later, like, let's just move past it if we can. Mm-hmm.
2: And I think it's important, you know, I've certainly done it. Where if you blow up or you vent your frustrations in a very unconstructive way and it was inappropriate or it was too much, you need to apologize. Yes, um, absolutely. I think there's nothing stronger in life. There's nothing stronger in a workplace. There's nothing stronger to help your team than if you made A a mistake in how you chose to vent your frustrations, you need to own up to it to your team. 100%.
3: That's an amazing way to set the example and just help create the culture that you want your hospital to have. I love that so much.
0: Absolutely. I'm sitting here going, all right, how much time do we have? Cause now we can get into like labeling emotions and, you know, all these different things, but that's probably beyond the scope of of what we're doing here (laughs) and kind of thinking along those lines. This has been such a cool discussion. I'm so happy to have all of you. And I, I really hope we can do it again sometime. Let me wrap up by asking each of you what advice after, you know, your years and your experience in the field. What advice would you give the you who originally started in this career? Carolyn, do you want to start us off?
1: Sure. I think probably it would be to be brave with my words, to ask the questions at the start instead of feeling like I was less than because I I, I was uncomfortable. I was afraid to ask the question and realize my voice matters right from the beginning. And that really setting that dynamic as part of the first interview, I think, is so important because I was just grateful for the interview versus realizing that I'm interviewing the place that I'm going to be spending the majority of my time in and, and really being thoughtful in those questions and really having a vision for what I want for my career and really going for it. And I think I was I was nervous at the very beginning of my career and I, and I got my feet and I had a great environment to be able to do that. But I think that would be what I would tell myself is like, If this is, if this is where your heart lays, like go for it. And, you know, really just, just ask the questions and be that person who wants it. And if it's not the right environment for you, find the right environment for you to be able to grow in the best way that you can.
0: I feel like I want to write that down and, and keep that advice for present me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Sam, any thoughts on what you would tell the, the original you that started in veterinary medicine? Sure. I would say
3: ask all the questions. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be ashamed. Just ask so many questions and definitely look for a place that makes you happy. It may not be what you originally thought would be your niche, but there are so many niches in the field. So just explore, find something that you love and that you're really passionate about because I think sometimes we don't do that. And then it's like, putting a round peg in a square hole or the other way around, but you know what I mean? Like it just doesn't fit. So that I think is really important. And I also would say, make sure that you're connecting with other technicians. Like I know it's really easy to get CE online, but I would say at least two or three hours a year, do something in person. Like, of course I love conferences. I always have. That's been a big part of how I connect since I was in tech school, but Like go out, go to the conferences, go to the lunch and learns and like meet people and talk to them because I have found it so inspiring throughout my 10 years in the field.
0: Also good advice for present me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys for all of this.
2: I would say I wish I had been better at communicating my personal needs. At the workplace. So I was lucky enough to be in an environment where I was able to push my skills. I was able to ask questions. I was able to try new stuff all the time. So that was very fulfilling. But looking back, I realized that I took a lot of myself out of that. You know, I didn't recognize when I needed a break, I would skip my breaks, because I'm a hard worker, I can, I can do all this, I want to keep going, I don't want to miss this case. And now knowing like, oh, you probably should have just taken a your 10 minute breaks, you know, that really would have helped some of the the negativity you were holding in your head and some of the frustrations you had, like that would have helped me a lot. And it was, you know, little things, but I definitely was that push person that wanted to push through all my breaks and I didn't need a break. And looking back, I'm like, you always need a break. <laughs> if you have the opportunity to take a break, take a break. And I wish I could have been that person for other people too, you know, cause I think I worked on a team that was, we were all very like, we're just going to push through, like we can do this. We're hard workers and it, you know, I, I wish for all of us that we could have been that team to be like, you want to go take a break? Like I've got you, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes, go, go, you know, take a walk, get some water, go to the bathroom. So that's, I, I wish that was more. A parent, you know, when I think when you're younger and you're excited about stuff, it's very easy to think it's not important.
0: Bryn, just to expand on what you're saying a little bit, if this relates, I would say it's also a lot harder to advocate for yourself on the back end than it is to draw those boundaries up front. Because when you do push through continuously and you skip your breaks or you skip your lunch, it can become an expectation and not necessarily because there's anything wrong with the person who has that expectation of you, you know, that, that we personally have set that expectation of ourselves to say, well, this is just how we do things. And so remembering to, to set those boundaries on the front end, you're, you're still a hard worker. You still can push through when the situation calls for it, but it doesn't need to be like that day in and day out.
1: Exactly. And you're really, you're better for your patient when you take the break. Like if you can't even think of it for yourself, which you should, you're more focused because at the end of, of, of really long shifts, you know, are you really dialed into your patient? So it's just full circle. Like you really need it for everything you do. Yeah. And there's unfortunately
3: so much attrition in the field. So many vet techs only do it for a few years. And I think that if we could kind of let our baby vet techs know right from the start, like this is okay. It would really be immensely helpful
0: communication, culture, sustainability. I love all of these words. Well, guys, this has been an awesome discussion. I really appreciate all of you joining me. I've truly, truly enjoyed it. And yeah, I hope we can do it again soon. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's been great. Thank you so much, Dr. Cassie. Thank you so much to Sam, Carolyn, Bryn. It was so wonderful talking to all of you. For more episodes like this, click on the education tab on the Vetfolio website. As always, we'd love to hear your input on this talk, as well as ideas for what you'd like to hear in the future. Feel free to reach out to me at dvm at vetfolio.com. You can also visit my Facebook page at Dr. Cassie DVM, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And remember, if one animal is better off because of you today, it's a great day.